It's a real pleasure, Mike Rivkin, the owner and operator of Antique Galleries of Palm Springs. Just a great place to go in and browse. They're located in the uh, area over off of Sunny Dunes. Uh, Kevin mentioned another uh, establishment over there a little while ago that you might know, Townie Bagels. And they're near there. It's at 505 East Industrial Place in Palm Springs. And find their Facebook page online at facebook.com slash antique galleries of Palm Springs. And they have a website too. Yes. And it's antiquegallerie'spalmsprings.com. Welcome to the show. John, Kevin, thanks for having me today. Nice hey, to you're here. very welcome. And that's a great time um, on a Saturday, especially, you know, get a bagels and coffee and, and go antiquing. Uh, so what what has it been like for you and uh, just the whole thing with 2020? You know, it's cha- everything's been been crazy and upside down. I bet it feels good to be back. Huh? It does. It's yeah. uh, we <laughs> we uh, like a lot of people sat on our hands for ten weeks, anxious to uh, to get back at it. It's it's been a surreal year so far. Something that just so far out of my own. Uh, psyche that uh, I couldn't have imagined anything like this at the beginning of the year. But we're back. We're happy and thrilled to be alive and well and back to our usual hours. So uh, all's good from from that standpoint. Mike, I think when people go into antique shops, and we've had a lot of them here in the region, uh, you know, it's fun to go in and look at things. People, I think, are always inclined to want to pick something up, look at it. Um, Probably, fortunately, for your business, uh, there's also uh, kind of it's kind of customary to see signs please don't touch an item because you don't know uh, how uh, fragile it might be or you don't want to destroy something of course that's an artistic piece or something like that you know, getting body oils and things on it but in the age of COVID-19 how hard is that for you and what do you guys have to do in order to keep the environment safe if there are things that people are prone to picking up uh, and you know when people touch stuff uh, what kind of requirements do you have now with people coming into the store? Well, that's that's a good question, and it's something we spent a lot of time considering before we reopened. Uh, and you're right, antiques, notwithstanding maybe furniture where if you sit down you're going to leave a stain or something like that, but by and large people want to touch and feel and get a sense of what, what it is that they're buying. That's yeah. that's part of the attraction really of shopping in an antique store. Right. Uh, but your point is well taken as well, that there has to be now in this day and age some precaution to that too. So we went through all of the regulations that were required to reopen before we did so. We had the hand sanitizer, the, uh, the, the social distancing, the masks available to everybody who come in. Uh, we have a route that now people have to follow throughout the gallery, and if, to the extent that they have to backtrack for something, we guide them in order to be able uh-huh. to do that and keep everybody separate. Cool. So it's, it's a new world out there, and we all have to get used to it. Right. Can you just generically tell us that... I mean, there's antiques, as I understand it. There are collectibles. And then uh, there's obviously stuff that is more uh, retro. Is there, are those three different categories or do they share some, uh, some of the same qualities or... Because an antique has to be 100 years old, is that right? That's right. That's okay. exactly right. And okay. that's that's the traditional definition of an antique. 100 years old, what you might describe as vintage, are things that are 75 years old, and retro is 50 years old. Ah. So in many respects, the mid-century modern craze, of course, that has uh, engulfed the desert here for many years, that, that is a retro kind of a phase, and as time goes by, it will yeah. evolve into something else. But at the moment, that's really where, where we are with that particular uh, category. Do you divide the store? 
uh, sectionally like that? We don't. Uh, we find that people generally don't walk into an antique store looking for something in particular. They, they're, they're struck by something they see. It brings back a memory from when they were kids, something their folks had. And so by and large, I would say most people walk out of there without, with something they didn't plan to buy uh, going in. But, but that's not always the case either. We do have people coming in looking for something in particular, and uh, as often as not, uh, when you think about an an antique gallery, especially one as large as ours, 12,000 square feet, we've got a little bit of everything in there. And so we're almost sort of a a department store in the sense of our range of offerings, and we can can probably find something for almost everybody who comes in. So in your business, do you like buy the objects from people who have them, or uh, or do you consign, people consign them to you and you sell them, or how does that work? Our, Our business is less consignment. We have a collection of about 38 vendors in there, each of which has their own special I see. So we have people who know jewelry, who know tableware, glassware, uh, lamps, clothing, military and maritime, and, and we try to keep people in their respective lanes. So What uh, I like about that is you, it doesn't appear to be that type of, you know, you go into a lot of places and it's all like little separate booths. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of it flows. I mean, it flows really well. And, well, uh, part of the reason yeah. that I asked that question, too, is because uh, I think a lot of people who have interest in these kinds of things uh, i mentioned these earlier but there's television shows on cable and public tv that that really have done a, a great job of i think inspiring people going wow that was cool you know i you know and and so even if you're not you know prone to being an antique picker or whatever uh it gets you thinking wow you know maybe we could do something with this space in our house or this wall in my office or whatever and so people do go out and go explore but but in the course of their doing that, the reason I wanted to ask that is because do you, when you're acquiring stuff to come into the store, do you get the backstory on it to, if there is one uh, so that you can share that with people? They understand the history of an item that's been around for quite a while or why it's as valuable as it is? We absolutely do. Uh, that, that's, that's really what makes the item sort of glow. Yeah. And in many respects, mm-hmm. an old item without the, without the attached story, the provenance, the association with a historical event or personality, it's just it sort of lays there. But when you can Absolutely. connect, it to, when you can connect it to something that people relate to, uh, it, it it just it, it brings the item to a whole different level. And I'll, I'll let me expand too on one more point that you were talking about, John, because it's an interesting element of, of the business today as well. It used to be people in the antique business in the in the 80s and 90s, really what many people consider the salad days of of the antique game. Uh, they would know, the vendors anyway, would know, given the time of the year and the type of people that were in town, what to put out, what people would be looking for. I see. And today, I'll tell you, you never know. People walk <laughs> in and you look at them and they wind up walking out with something that you, you wouldn't have guessed in a thousand years they would have any interest yeah. in. So you have to be a mile wide, five miles wide, and an inch deep to, to find just that one item that would appeal. But uh, well, people today, time, it's unpredictable. I've never gone into a shop like yours with the idea of I'm I'm going looking for something specific, it's usually like, wouldn't it just be fun to go and explore today? And and I think there's a lot of people like that. And then you walk in and you get lost in kind of a wonderland mm-hmm. of so many things. Yeah. And and it, you, it if you have any level of general curiosity about you know just about anything that you know culture and you know life at a different uh, time and why things were designed the way they were or something that looks so cool because you know wow can you imagine they had that then you're right um it, it's right. it's one of those things that i think just kind of lights people up 
and we it, need that right now. It's 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 recreational shopping, really, and yeah. and we're still we're fortunate that we're in the desert. People still come here to shop. Yeah, yeah. And there are many places I think where the antique business is all but gone because people have turned to online resources and they they don't they don't go to a particular uh, destination with the idea of spending time shopping. But here they do, and that benefits yeah. us and it's significantly. That, it seems to be it's that whole you know handcrafted and you know you're gonna you'll see products in there that. Uh, there's no way that these are ever going to be manufactured again. It's that's so true. I, yeah. the, the level of of craftsmanship and and really so common in, in everyday products not so many years ago is just all but but uh, invisible today. Yeah, it's you, all throwaway. Well, you yeah. think well, what are what are people going to collect in twenty years? iPhones. I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's kind of hard to imagine. Uh, but, I agree. But looking back, we just got yesterday a big collection of uh, mid-century cameras that came in of all makes. Oh, and, sure. And models. Yeah. But but even cameras again that sold in their day for twenty nine dollars thirty nine dollars were beautiful instruments. I mean highly yeah. highly precise with yeah, dozens of different crafted. parts and there's no plastic on there. there there's nothing that's going to fall apart after three uses. And the you look twin at twin lens reflex, yeah. or the old thirty five millimeters. The, you, you, uh, you look at that stuff and yeah. you and you just you recall that there was a time when craftsmanship counted. Our guest, exactly. Our guest today is Mike Rifkin and he is the owner of Antique Galleries of Palm Springs. Again, you'll find them uh, at five oh five. East Industrial Place in Palm Springs. That's over in the Sunny Dunes neighborhood. Uh, their phone number is 760-322-8740. That's 760-322-8740. You can find them online at Antiques Gallery. Or, I'm sorry, Antique Gallery. Is it Antique or Antiques? Antique, antique. Galleries. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. yeah, singular. Antique Galleries dot or palmsprings.com I'll, I'll get it right here uh and uh, also through facebook uh you can look them up there uh you can just search antique galleries palm springs uh or you can go right to facebook.com slash antique uh galleries palm springs and, and there you'll be able to the other thing is check out a bunch of john cool i'd say have. take your time because don't th- don't think in 20 minutes you're going to see the whole place. Right. Yeah. Not yeah, when it's I mean, 12,000. No. no feet. Right. Lots to see in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, lots uh, to see. And it's we, something else. It's a great experience. So tell us we, we, a little absolutely. Bit about the furniture and the, the range of furniture stuff that you have in there. We do. We Furniture is a big category for us. And it, it, yeah. I think it, it also. Uh, I'll, I'll circle back and, and give you a, a sense why. This time of the year in the summer, we've seen over the last number of years, we generally get three different types of customers that come in. We get the hipsters from L.A. that are out here for the weekend, uh, and they're, yeah. they're not necessarily looking for big pieces, but something to memorialize their trip. We get the foreigners uh, from all over the world that are on the Great American West Tour. So they oh, yeah. Grand Canyon and Las sure. Vegas, and on their way to Disneyland, they stop <laughs> in Palm Springs, and some of them like to antique shop. And then we get people who've purchased a home here, a second home in the spring. They're renovating in the summer, and they, they move in in the fall. And those really are our furniture buyers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they are, by and large, completely captivated, especially in Palm Springs. It's a, it's a down-here thing. They're captivated with the whole mid-century modern Mid-century motif. modern, yeah. Right. And so uh, we, if we don't have a store full of that, then we're not responding to what the market's looking for, and we do. So it's uh, mid-century is is not it, it isn't the most comfortable the most plush type yeah. of furniture very linear not a lot of yeah. padding straight it's, lines uh, plenty of the, teak that's exactly right yeah. but uh, for the uh, I, I think for the the uh, image that it conveys and and the, the the way that it really matches the whole Palm Spring lifestyle it's it's exactly what sells here absolutely the flip side is that the traditional Victorian furniture it's derisively known now as brown furniture <laughs> that that has absolutely no market where twenty years or so that's ago that's interesting yeah. 
Yeah. The beautiful brown pieces, 19th century. I mean, with again, craftsmanship and really quality throughout. You can't give that away. Well, I remember here. there's just no market. Uh, I had a condominium in Kansas City, and I was out looking for, at the time, uh, modern furniture. Good luck. Yeah. And this is yeah. this is a little before there were so uh, so many online stores. And it really took some time. I mean, I finally did find some some things, some vintage pieces. But uh, for the most part, it was that brown stuff, like you say. And, and it all has its place. I myself just love Streamline Modern is, is basically my favorite in terms of architecture and uh, and furniture. It's a... There's probably not as many pieces out there, though, is it? Well, you'd be surprised. Really? Uh, uh-huh. Yep, you'd be surprised. Yeah. And, of course, to some extent, the market's been affected by people like West Elm that have, in large measure, knocked off the whole look yeah. of, of yeah. mid-century. Mid-century was really never about uh, uh, materials. It was really it came out of World War II when yeah. people were anxious to utilize some of the modern elements, fiberglass, plywood, some of the, some of the materials that were developed for the war effort, and they were looking for something very contemporary. So you have the website done, Mike. But it's going back up right now. That's our one, one substantial accomplishment during our ten weeks of yeah. downtime. Is the uh, the website has been com- completely revamped, and I think we've we've joined the twenty first century in terms of our. <laughs> I imagine to, that's got to be really hard to keep up with things, especially if you're putting any of your inventory up online because things come and go all the time. It is. It's that's exactly right. And it's right. not like you have the same product, and it's just a skew. That's exactly right. It's one of a kind. And yeah, when we, we exactly. take the photos and do the descriptions and you put it online and it sells the next day and it's you have to take it down. I mean, yeah, do no... you get or does somebody call you up or email you and, you know, hey, I want to purchase this and I'm in Massachusetts all the or... time. OK, all oh, the time. Yeah. Yep. We do a lot of shipping. The stuff yeah. goes all over the place. You know, wow. I, I know uh, Kevin's living habits because uh, I've, <laughs> I've been around the place where he, he, he resides now and. Uh, I see that you have, uh, just three hours ago, uh, before this live broadcast, uh, you posted on your Facebook page uh, this piece that Kevin must have. It's a stunning feng shui, three-dimensional jade hillside landscape decoration. <laughs> yeah, and it's only 190 bucks. There's stuff that sounds like that's affordable. It's like when a lot of people think antiques, they're like, oh, I can't afford that. So can people find everything from five bucks to five million? I mean... They, they absolutely can, and they're certainly a part of the market that's in the stratosphere that uh, only the, the rarefied air people can, can look at. That's not our business. We, right, we sort of yeah. right. We sort of call ourselves the low end of the high end. So yeah. we, we try to do we try to find unusual items, oddities, things you don't normally see at a price where every man can walk in and, and, and consider purchasing it. What uh, surprises you that is of such interest now that you wouldn't have thought? You know, 10 years ago, it, it would have any value. Is there anything that... Uh, let's see. That's a good question. The The traditional categories in antiques, and I'm, I'm going to sort of lump in antiques and yeah, collectibles, sure. have always been uh, has always been this. Number one has been coins and stamps for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. There's, there continues to be, certainly on the coin side in particular, continues to be a demand for that. Coins always sell. Number two are is toys. Uh, small toys, little mechanical uh, tin toys that you see, those kinds of things. Again, many collectors, a lot of interest. You'd be surprised at what something with very little, with so little intrinsic value can, can sell for if it's a really special piece. And then World War II stuff, military items. Again, mm-hmm. continues to have a broad range of, of, of interested parties. We, we buy it and sell it. It comes and goes quickly. There's, there's such, I think, a, a sense of play, a time and place when you hold some of those pieces in your hand. And it, it's always a popular category. 
So in terms of in terms of new things uh, coming up, I don't know that there's been anything that's that's sort of uh, revolutionary that I can think of in the in the antique yeah. business. But again, yeah. it's that it's that idea of being a, a mile wide, really having a have finger in every conceivable category because you just never know what people are going to walk in and look for. What about generational differences? Uh, oh my goodness, I can talk about that for the rest of the day. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can. I can. The the overview really though is this: kids today, including my kids and everybody else's kids by and large, are not collectors. They're not mm. accumulators. They couldn't care less what mom and dad have spent their life life assembling in terms of collections. They want to be mobile. They spend their money on technology and and experiences. You've heard all that, I'm sure, in a million different ways. And we see it very distinctively mm. in the antique business. They're just not going to acquire the stuff that they have to haul around as they move over the course of their Because they're world travelers. Yeah, they yeah, are. They want yeah. to, I think, <laughs> stay light on their feet, and they just uh, they're, they don't want to be bogged down with a lot of possessions. So, oh, look, yeah. I, I have a friend who lives in Texas who is in his mid-20s and who, since being a kid, has been collecting um, like uh, uh, figures, action figures of superheroes. And so it might be like Wonder Woman, Batman, and things like that, and has never opened one of these things up out of the package. You know, it's not like bought them to play with them, but it's truly as a collector. And I, I have to imagine that while a lot of that stuff is very freely commercially available to buy these things as they come out, that the, some of these things that are based on, on comics of yesteryear also uh, have some somewhat vintage uh, items that are out there. Do you find people coming and looking for that kind of stuff in your shop? We do. We absolutely do. The things that have value typically are, are exactly what you described, mint in the box type of examples. Because really, with all of that stuff, it was made in the millions. You're yeah. not. You're not oh, looking yeah. about. Yeah, it's not obscure. No, at all. no. there's nothing yeah. scarce about it. But but in that particular category and and things like that, condition is everything. And right. so if it's if it's in the box, completely wrapped and as new, then it has value. Beyond that, really, it becomes one of many. Mike Rufkin is here. He is the owner of Antique Galleries of Palm Springs, and <laughs> it's located at 505 East Industrial Place. That is where you will find all sorts of goodies, and we've been talking about that today. If you like to collect, if you're looking for retro stuff, if you're looking for something that is an actual antique, which he uh, explained to us is uh, defined as something that's over 100 years old, uh, you can Besides say, either one of us. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're not quite. I, I'm not going to get anywhere near 100, I'm sure of that. Yeah. So <laughs> the way I feel already at 56, oh, I don't know if I can do this twice. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly after COVID-19 and, and the riots and everything else, it's gone, gone crazy. But uh, hey, um, thank you for being along with us on this Friday, and we appreciate your hanging out with us. Uh, if you have a question, you're welcome to send a text into yeah, us. Yeah, uh, studio text. at iHubRadio.com for email. Text is 7603, or I'm sorry, 699-0202. And the telephone number, if you want to call in, uh, is 760-544-8255. I know a lot of people don't like to call. They like to text because they don't want to break off the connection of listening to the show uh, because many times you're listening to us on the same device that you would be uh, calling us on. So That's uh, true. Just so you know, if you do call in, you will be put on hold and you'll be able to hear the show on the phone while you're waiting to go on and to uh, ask a question of Mike. Uh, thank you for being here again. Uh, Kevin. Yeah, there's uh, ah, there's so many questions. What is would you perceive as a bargain today compared to maybe, maybe because of some of the generational differences where 
the younger people aren't as interested and like you say I don't want these big pieces weighing me down I'm going to go to Tibet and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to live uh, in Alaska and so on and so forth uh, are there are there good deals to be had there are that's a good yeah. then that's a, that's a good question I think uh, for me anyway things that have intrinsic value uh, mechanical devices that are relatively complicated and, and, t- and took real sure. expertise to make things like that oftentimes can be purchased for a pittance of, of, of their right? inherent value Wow uh, that kind of thing I think there's still there's, there's always value in, in that sort of stuff. And uh, I would certainly, uh, I, f- I always find it fascinating as one that has absolutely no skills in fixing anything with my own two hands. Yeah, yeah, you fa- and me t- both. Can't, yeah. can't do it. But that, that kind of thing, I think, in particular, uh, always, has, always has interest and always holds its value just, I think, by virtue of the, the, the effort that went into creating it. So that's, that's certainly one thing. In terms of uh, artwork, one of the categories that, that is, yeah. has been undervalued, in my view, for years is is, uh, is illustration. Oh, okay. The beautiful representational work that you you saw, of course, uh, memorialized in the Mad Men television show. Oh, yes. In the yeah. 50s and yeah, 60s and 70s. Stuff. Those those illustrators were artisans of the, of the first caliber. Absolutely. And these yeah. days, all that stuff is done uh, digitally. And yeah. there's, there's very little... I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't I know what you're for, saying, yeah. wouldn't go so far as to say no skill involved today, but certainly the, the classically trained... Uh, illustrators of your that kind of work I think will never be done again and you can buy some just terrific examples of that for really a few hundred dollars I mean poster type pricing and so I think that's a category certainly that appeals to a lot of people it gives a slice of life of what whatever it was that uh, the illustrator was trying to portray at the time and it and it, it's irre- irre- it can't be reproduced today with that kind of skill level so no, that's something no, as that's well. the, yeah you're right that that was a specific era that it uh, was and yeah. gone I absolutely yeah. gone when you think about the advent of, of color lithography and how photography yes. really came to the to, to, to overtake illustration with magazines and published media in the 60s uh, that was a time when a lot of illustrators found themselves struggling yes but uh, but but, those, but many of those illustrators of course classically trained years and years of of uh, experience and expertise of doing what they what, what what they were good at doing and all of a sudden they found themselves with no market uh, to uh, to keep themselves going and so it was just it was such a sudden cutoff at that time and so much of that but so much of those pieces are still out there that's interesting because I love that stuff I mean uh, Mad Men was one of the things that was so great about Mad Men is they really went for the authentic look. It wasn't like something where, you know, on the f- up front everything looked authentic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really they were fanatics about it. You're right. Yeah, you're right. And you know, you you talk to some of the early illustrators, a few of whom are still out there today, although we we're losing them all the time. Yeah. But they talk about some of the directions their their art directors would give them, and they'd call up and they'd say, "Okay, Bob, I need a, I need a two munchkins standing on the moon with the sun <laughs> raising in the background, a barbecue in the front, and I need it by tomorrow at five a.m." Right. And and how do you how do you sort of conjure up that kind of image and put it on canvas in a way that allows it to amazing. be published? It is. It just I mean the imagination that goes into that and then the skill in executing it again it always just sort of puts me in awe. And even in the uh, more in the cartoonish uh, Mad, Mad Magazine. That's right. You know, Don yeah. Martin and some of his work and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's just priceless. It because is. Because it had a personality to it. It, it is. It really t- did. Timeless. I mean, it really is. It's just something that you just don't see today. It's just not duplicated anymore. No. So that's, no. A, neat, that's a neat category as well. Uh, but uh, antiques, we tell people if you're looking to buy antiques, 
for appreciation, you really need to know the category inside and out. It's a tricky business. And antiques, yeah. antiques like any sort of investment category, go up and down. You certainly can't buy anything with the absolute secure knowledge that you, you can't lose. What it about what's going on with watches? Still a big category. Okay. Still yeah, okay. very important. Yeah. That's new, good. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad to hear it that. It is. Now, the watch category is interesting, too, because, the, the of course, the quartz revolution in the 1970s almost killed the mechanical watch market. Right. I mean, they, everybody was on the ropes at yeah. that time. Yeah. But people passed through that and came to recognize the craftsmanship that, that, that you could you could essentially uh, ex- expect to receive in, a, in what really is one square inch of space. I mean, when you think about what's going right. on in there right. and the precision and all the parts and so forth in that tiny space, it's it's remarkable. And I think people continue to respond to that and there, there continues to be a very strong market for uh, for small, small timepieces like that of all types. Now, interestingly enough, the clock market is the opposite. Is clocks, that right? Clocks are very difficult to sell today. Huh. Classic grandfather clocks, case clocks, kitchen clocks, all of the traditional types of clocks that, of course, really represent the heartbeat of a household back oh, in the yeah. day. Yeah. Th- those are tough sellers, and we, we have a number of them. I love clocks. I love the... But uh, they, they're tough to sell. What are they? Is it Nelson? Or, it was the uh, classic 1960s clock, kind of the sunburst uh, yeah, that's right. style. Yeah. And those are certainly in keeping with the, the mid-mod oh, look yeah, yeah, down definitely. here. So those, those you're right, but those are those are fashion clocks that, that tend to sell in concert with a particular decor. But also there were things, I guess it would be more in the Art Deco or probably uh, Streamline Modern that were like a ship, and they sold a lot of those, the wooden ship you're right. with, the, with the clock in it, and the uh, uh, it was very interesting to see the, you know, I used to get those at... Uh, flea markets, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. No, you're right. Early electric clocks like that, again, as you say, within the within the uh, uh, construction of a, of a ship or whatever it might be, that, right. that, that was that was a big category. Uh, and you don't see those at all these days. That's uh, something. Neither n- You don't see them either from the standpoint of production or availability, and you don't see the demand for them either. That's kind of like uh, in, the, uh, in the mid-90s, all of a sudden it became very cool to go to... Uh, you know, the Goodwill or other thrift shops, because if you wanted your own collection of of basically the uh, the exotic music that, w- that was big, the cocktail music of the 50s and 60s, you could find this stuff for You're right. 25 cents in good condition. That's right. Because the, the parents uh, of a lot of the uh, people that donated this are long gone mm-hmm. and just meticulous. And now, you know, you go on eBay or something and they want, you know, $75 for those for those albums, you know, that, uh, yeah. You make a good point, too, on, on another level is that you could you could argue and some people have that the, really the, the overall of a, uh, experience of collecting has sort of been devalued with the with the rise of eBay and other things because it right. used to be to put together a world-class collection whether it was binoculars or clocks or whatever it would be yeah. I mean it took a lot of shoe leather you were out there pounding the pavement flea yeah. markets garage sales all that kind of stuff piece by piece you assemble these collections I mean today if your wallet is big enough uh, you can sit there in six months and hit buy 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 right. and somebody can just buy their way in yeah and do yeah. I mean that's yeah. that's exactly that's right like a, I, I have a a fair collection of I don't know how I got started I had a neighbor when I lived in Las Vegas that said hey you want some matchbooks and casino stuff and he had worked in casinos for years and he gave me a, a huge box stuff going all the way back to the 50s and mm. uh, you know one of a kind and I still have it I, I, I haven't looked at it in years but uh, 
even those items, you know, you'll never, it would be hard to buy, you know, unless maybe there, there is some on eBay or something. But a lot of that stuff was very, because smoking was such a big mm-hmm. deal back then. And, and then having whatever your little marketing piece was, uh, you know, on the, on the various types of, of matchbooks. Well, you might have a nugget or two in there. Maybe yeah, Bugsy Malone signed a couple, or who knows? Yeah, it could uh, be. Who knows what's back buried back in there? <laughs> but you're right. That's that's the kind of the the kind of thing that uh, that uh, irre- irreproducible today. And yeah, they, they just evoke. Yeah. I mean, a Las Vegas of the 1950s is certainly unlike Las Vegas today. Yeah, I mean, you go to Vegas now, and it's all all that stuff's in a museum. Yeah, basically, that's right. And uh, you know, it's it's a completely different uh, world. No, that's exactly right. I mean, Las Vegas of today, all that happened in living memory. It's, it's, we're not talking about yeah. 300 years of history there. No, and, so. and it's so funny how, and uh, not in a, not really in a good way, that uh, we see it in Los Angeles, we see it in San Francisco, New York, where, you know, there's buildings that are very historic, uh, whether it's a, a particular style like Googie or uh, what have you, that are just disappearing mm-hmm. because they're they're building these great big uh skyscrapers or, or the, the the magic word the magic phrase seems to be mixed use mm-hmm. you know and whenever you see that you know whatever was there even if they we're going to try to uh, kind of stay with the theme but it's going to be mixed use it's well, not uh, a, usually a good thing yeah. and, it, and you're right i mean it, it it costs money to add architectural texture oh, to yeah. the building and if you're building a glass slab or something that's as you say is right. all about utility and cost exactly it's pretty tough to add a bunch of ornaments yeah and you got to maximize you know the space yeah. and we're, we're speaking yeah. once again to uh, mike rivkin the owner of antique galleries of palm springs and man uh, just thinking about it i got to get over there and see what you got because i haven't been there obviously in a few months. We have a we have a great new selection too. Things come and go. Yeah. You know, a lot of antique yeah. stores you go into and even the dust is old. I mean the stuff sits yeah. there. Yes. You go back six months later, the stuff is still sitting there. It has that smell. It you does. Know. Yeah, Do you it get does. to a point where something has sat there long enough that you're like, we're going to take this off the floor for a while? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, yeah. and we'll rotate maybe it. rotate it back in at some point. Or there's an old retail yeah. adage that you as the vendor get tired of your merchandise before your customers do. Yeah. And that's very very true. Sometimes we, yeah. we just can't look at something and and the fl- the other side of that too and we mentioned it or alluded it, alluded to it earlier is that we'll bring in a piece once in a while that we think boy that's the cat's meow that's going to be a home run and we can't miss with that and six months later we're still staring at it <laughs> and wondering yeah. you know, what what happened yeah. and then other right. stuff come comes in and we hold our nose we think man that 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 could be the ugliest <laughs> piece of whatever it is in here and two days later there's a line out the door of people fighting over it so you just you never know i mean you never know i used to be a big fan of the you know, the man from Uncle and I Spy and that whole era. Someone, obviously, whoever uh, whoever had owned these pieces, they, they kept everything in the box. I mean, it was all like it looked brand new, which is freaky when you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking, Mike, probably what? Mid-60s, maybe. You're right. You're and right. Uh, it just took me back to the time, you know, I'm eight, nine years old. And boy, that's the... <laughs> And there wasn't there wasn't the the thing about guns back then. It was a right. different kind of era, and they just had all these cool weapons and communicators, <laughs> uh, the little radio that uh, they were just very creative uh, with those television shows. And I guess for me that was the Star Wars. I was never really a Star Wars right. guy because by that time I was on to you know college or whatever you know in the uh, well, but. Cool. Collectors can be fanatical. That's that's oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the one of the things that always sort of sets us back on our heels is when we have 
someone who's clearly an advanced collector come in and they're asking for whatever it is that they collect because you know they've got virtually everything already. Yeah. So they're looking yeah. for the most obscure, rare sure. thing with everything perfect and immaculate con- condition, and they and they want it for two dollars because that's how they used to buy them at the <laughs> right. flea market. Yeah. Good and luck. We, and we got to tell them, you know, the world has moved on. I yeah, mean, we, right. we just that's just not how it is. It's not no. a retro price tag, buddy. Yeah, it's exactly right. And and you're looking yeah. again. You've got the 97 other examples, and you're looking for the the last one, the 98th example. We probably don't have that. Right. Now we might. You never know. But yeah. but by and large don't uh, you know don't expect miracles and especially when it's something like that's a real hot category you're gonna it's gonna cost you a little more it does uh, uh, absolutely more competitive well they, you're right i mean the, it used to be that the 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 market was relatively opaque in the sense that collector communities of course they didn't have the means to communicate electronically like right, they do today right. and so what's what's an item worth i mean it's hard to it's yeah. hard to know but today everybody walks around with their phone yeah so there's I almost know. no surprises I, yeah is and, there a product or a class of product that is in the last year has been the hottest thing that people, whether you have it or not, have come and asked for? I don't think so. Uh, that's a good question, and we always try to brainstorm at the gallery thinking, mm. what, what is it that people are asking for? Yeah. And it just it absolutely runs the gamut, no matter the season, no matter the weekend. Do you, do you look at what other stores around the country, even around the world, are doing in terms of stuff that's coming through and moving through them to get a feel for what might? I mean, it, it, it seems like you're in the perfect business for having an impossible ability to forecast. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a safe way to put it. It's, it. it is completely unpredictable, and things that sell in New York or Atlanta or Chicago or Seattle, again, may have no bearing whatsoever on the local market. It's, right. it's very much of a local thing. In fact, yeah. a specific example really is this. We have one dealer who has roots uh, up in the Seattle area. And up there, Art Deco is very big. There's a lot of enthusiasm. Right. And the mid-century modern stuff is what they put out on the side of the curb for the trash collector to pick up. Yeah. Isn't so that interesting? He'll, he'll yeah. literally pull, pull together this mid-mod stuff that people want to get rid of up there, bring it down here. And we have no market for Art Deco down here. For whatever reason, that is, that is strange. as much as I like it, it doesn't sell. And yeah. so and, and he'll wh- collect the Art Deco stuff here. He brings it up to Seattle and sells it there. And we get his mid-mod stuff. Well, as a Seattle boy, I think it ties into things that they've tried to do with architecture up there. And yeah, that works there. But yeah. here, yeah. that's not the thing. Yeah. That's right. That's and then thing. there's even, I, I've seen these groups on Facebook, they crack me up, where somebody, uh, you know, it's all googie, you know, with mm-hmm. the angles and everything. And somebody uh, uh, supplies a couple photos of, of a, pl- a restaurant, and it's got kind of a, a spacecraft landing kind of neon sign. Oh, that's not googie. What are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here. That's space age, you know, and. And boy, they really have their. They keep to their lane. That's I mean, right. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's pretty wild. Well, that's that's true. And uh, and we we touched on this earlier too. The the the, the category of reproductions has grown to yeah. the point where there right. are there are entire countries I think that have significant industries cranking out these reproduced items. Exactly. And the quality's gotten a lot better. So it's become difficult even for experts in some categories really to tell the difference between real and fake. And that's, I almost bought a. Uh, uh, is it pronounced Ames? The uh, Ames, yeah, Ames, Ames, mm-hmm. Ames. Uh, the the classic storage. Uh, uh, you know, it was like a big storage rack. I, I shouldn't say a rack, but it had it had some hutches in it, and it had people. You know, would use it in industrial settings mm-hmm. and, and in offices. But now it's like super hip. But it turned out. These were repos, uh, probably from China. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, uh, it's too specific. You know, with the, the particular type of plywood you need, there's no way that you're gonna, you know, 
Well, you're, 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 you're in many cases, you're right. You're paying a lot for the decal on the bottom of the chair. Right. It's functionally exactly like what you're going to buy at, at West Elm. But, yeah. but by virtue of that decal and its authenticity that it provides, yeah. it's it's at a premium. That's a tough That's a tough thing for a lot of people to do. So you were telling us that, that the website is relaunching and what a, a, you know, a significant amount of effort you were able to put into that during the time that you were down. Um, as, as that is uh, relaunching on Saturday... Uh, and for people who are listening to this, maybe in a podcast later on, um, uh, how much inventory generally will they see there? Because I'm sure there are people who are going to want to go this weekend and, and check out what's going on Absolutely. at your store. Good. I hope so. I, the, the, the website, when it uh, kicks out again, it, it will certainly contain hundreds and hundreds of items. Now, I would guess if I had to throw out a wild number, there's probably... 10,000 items or more in the gallery itself. So there's loads of items that have yet to be put online. Right. So we're going to continue to work at it, and I'm sure items will be added every day. That's great. All right. Fantastic. Mike, thanks for for stopping by, and I think this is a conversation we'd love to continue to have. So maybe we'll have you back on a regular basis, and we'll talk about cool cool little finds and things like that. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. It's a nice break, too. Happy to do uh, it. All the the crazy news. The chaos in the world. Yep. That's exactly right. You can be in our bubble. Well, there is something for you to people talking about, you know, what can I do? Uh, What's open? Uh, this is a safe environment for you to go into. They've taken uh, all of the recommendations uh, into yep. account that you need to be able to go in and to shop safely and not expose yourself to, to the virus. And so we appreciate having Mike Rivkin join us again. The address yeah, for the store is 505 East Industrial Place in Palm Springs in the Sunny Dunes neighborhood uh, just off of South Palm Canyon Drive. Uh, turn there uh, left uh, if you're heading south from downtown Palm Springs. Uh, on to Sunny Dunes, and I presume you take a right to get to the exactly. industrial, right? Yeah, okay. So, uh, and, and you stop by Townie and get a bagel, too. Yeah, there you go. That's we'll an see upside. you there. Good. Thank you.